The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Life with Mariana podcast. This episode is with a friend of mine, Kana Walker. She is the founder of House of CB. If you guys don't know her story, it is so incredible. She actually started this brand when she was 17 years old, which is so crazy to think about. But this is a time pre-social media, pre-everything direct-to-consumer. So she really was one of the first people to build a direct-to-consumer brand the way that she did. And she has maintained that. Um, She has since then launched a second brand called Mistress Rocks. So we talk about her two brands, House of CB's workflow from the sketch to production, how she knew it was time to take her brand international and the challenges of staying true to your brand identity. And then what I think she does a really good job at is creating products for her audience and really targeting them with her marketing, social media, photography. She just does such an amazing job, which is why she was named on the Forbes 30 Under 30, which is so well-deserved. So if you want to learn more from Kana, keep listening to this episode. And a few things before we start. One, if you are loving this episode and you find it motivating or inspiring, or you have a friend who is wanting to start a fashion brand, I would send this episode to them. Uh, I would love if you could share it with other people because I really want to motivate people with this podcast. And if you're loving it, if you could just take a second and rate and review, if you could give this episode um, podcast five stars, it would mean so much to me. So now that we got that all out of the way, let's hear from Kana. Okay. So Kana, we have known each other for so long. We've actually known each other since before you even moved to LA. Yeah. (laughs) It's been a long time. And the brand has really grown and evolved and changed so much from then. Because one of the questions someone asked was like, how did you get the name House of CB? Which really was, you know, came from your old brand name. Yes, it did. From Celeb Boutique, which was a terrible name. (laughs) (laughs) So how old were you when you started the brand? And what really, I mean, I think when you started, you weren't even really thinking that you were starting a brand, were you? Yeah, no, I started when I was 17, technically, but I just started by like buying like ready-made items and just selling them on eBay. Um, And I wasn't really trying to like start a brand as such. I just like liked clothes and I was like, I can do this. This, this makes sense. So I started doing that. And then as I kind of started to learn the ropes, that's when I was like, Hmm, I can, I can make an actual brand, a real brand. So yeah, the start was a little unintentional. (laughs) (laughs) And you have now, and now I can't believe you've been doing it for 11 years because it just seems like each year just gets bigger and bigger. So the point when you started, when you were 17, Mm -hmm. you started this brand, you didn't go to college, right? No, I went to, stayed in school till I was like 18. So we call it um, A-levels, but I don't think that's college in the US. And then university after. And then when you started at the very beginning, you were self-funded and you were still self-funded to this day. So at the very beginning, how much money did you even need to start this business at the very beginning? Uh, So at the very beginning, I was really lucky that I could borrow um, £3,000 from my dad, which is probably like, I don't know, like $5,000, just under $5,000, somewhere around there. But yeah, obviously I was really lucky that I was able to do that. And I, I was living at home. I didn't have to pay rent or anything. 
So for me, I could start with the with the three thousand pounds. It's also like how long is a piece of string? Because some companies don't really need it, and then some need a lot. <laughs> no, that's be, to be able to to start with what you did and grow it to what you have today is really incredible. Because now I feel like that much alone won't even build you a website. Because I feel like building the website alone now is like so expensive, and so. You have remained self-funded to this day, which is pretty difficult to do for a lot of brands. So what are some of the benefits of remaining self-funded? Well, of course, if you're not self-funded, you have to give percentages away um, to other people who will own shares in your company. And them owning shares also means that they can somewhat, depending on, you know, the percentage of shares and so on and what the deal is, but they can somewhat dictate what you do. So for me, I've always liked that no one has been able to tell me what I can and can't do. You know, we've been able to try all different things, go down different routes. If I felt like something isn't working, then we can, you know, we can change it because I just decide I want to change it. Um, And I think that the proximity between me and the customer is really important and it's what's kept us going for, as you pointed out, 11 years, which I didn't realize until you said that. (laughs) I was like, 11? (laughs) Yeah, 11 Um, years. So long. But yeah, so I think that that's a really important detail because a lot of brands, once once they give up percentages, then sometimes those those people involved, you know, want to have more of a say in how things are run and what's going on. And oftentimes those people don't necessarily know better than, than the person that started the brand. Obviously, sometimes they've got a lot of infrastructure and, and great things that they can bring to the table as well. So it's a, it's a toss up. But for me, I feel like that's how we've lasted this long. And also the other thing is you get to keep all the money. <laughs> yes. That's a, huge yeah. that's a huge benefit of being self-funded. And you have two brands now, the main one being House of CB. So how would you describe the style and what the brand of House of CB is? Um, I would say that we're very feminine. We're very, we kind of just, our main focus is always just on sculpting your body into like a super feminine shape like we really cinch at the waist and that kind of style but in general like we have a lot of different styles of clothing so we'll have like our floaty dresses we'll have our tight dresses um, we'll have our sweats and our loungewear Um, but all of it kind of ties back into just being like an affordable luxury feminine brand is how I like to see it. I just love it. And it's so good. And then you have another brand called Mistress Rocks. So how is Mistress Rocks different from House of CB? So Mistress Rocks, I feel like, has had a couple changing personalities. <laughs> Mistress Rocks originally started as a jewelry brand. And then I didn't do very well with that. That wasn't for me. So I like left it for a while. And then I wanted to start um, a clothing brand that's was a little more affordable than House of CB. House of CB, we make as affordable as we can, you know, with the quality and the fabrics and everything else. House of CB products take about 12 weeks to develop each one. So I wanted to do something where we could still bring like cool styles out, but you know, the the price point matches the quality and, and, and everything else. So I just wanted something that was a little more casual, a little more affordable for the House of CB girls and also other women were maybe more into more of like casual style. Yeah. That's how I would kind of like describe the two. And I feel like even house of CB has now that with like the sweats and stuff that came out this year, but I feel like 
my house of CB dresses or outfits or whatever pieces, I'm buying that piece because like I want to look good in something. I want to take a picture of myself. It's a really special moment or I'm going to dinner or on vacation. And the Mistress Rocks is like my everyday stuff or like my weekend stuff is like more chill, but I still look really cool and put together. And I feel like it's definitely very like cool girl. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the the kind of two personalities and there's definitely like an overlap, but yeah, it's just like a little more casual. Mistress Rocks is more casual. And the price point is a little lower. And then, like you said, House CB is more based on like special moments. Taking a break from one of the podcast sponsors, which I love. I talk about them all the time, which is Sakara. I have used, eaten, ordered Sakara for so many years, which is why I'm so happy to share them with you. Because if you've been wanting to try it, you can with my promo code. If you go to sakara.com slash LWM for Life with Mariana, you can get 20% off your first order because feeling your best really starts with what you eat. And Sakara gives you the ability to not just eat healthy, but really enjoy it. They have chef-crafted, plant-rich meals, and it really builds a foundation for radiant health. If you don't know about Sakara, it's a nutrition company that really focuses on overall wellness, starting with what you eat. Their organic, ready-to-eat meals are made with powerful plant-based ingredients and are designed to boost your energy, improve digestion, and get your skin glowing. They have a menu of creative, chef-crafted, ready-to-eat breakfast, lunch, and dinners, and they change weekly so you'll never get bored, and it's delivered fresh to your door anywhere in the U.S. So along with delicious plant-rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. Experience the transformative power of plants with their best-selling metabolism super powder. It's made with organic raw cacao and it works to boost energy, eliminate bloating, minimize sugar cravings, and reduce fatigue. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash LWM or use the code LWM at checkout. That's Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash L-W-M to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash L-W-M. Now let's get back to the episode. So the number one question when I asked people or I told people you were coming on the podcast is, where did she find a manufacturer? And I'm like, little do you know, she is the manufacturer. So what was the process like when you first started the brand and then now being your own manufacturer, why did you decide that was the right fit for you to do for yourself? So when I first started, I, like I said, I was starting by just buying ready-made pieces and putting them on eBay. So there was a lady that I would buy a lot of my stock from um, and she would make that stock herself. So I asked her if I could try a few of my own pieces and if she would make them for me. And because we already had, you know, we had built up a, um, a relationship in terms of, you know, a working relationship, but I had been buying like little pieces of stock from her and, and that had been going on for a little while that she was like, yeah, okay, we can try that. And like, she, I think her order quantities for me at the start were like 30 pieces, which is, is really low, obviously. So that was how I got my first manufacturer of my own things. And also you can go to like the, I found her through a trade fair in the first place. The, like the way I found her in the first place was a trade fair. And there's, like, I always get that question. And there's like loads of trade fairs, practically every industry you can think of, just Google trade fairs for whatever it is that you're working on. Um, but yeah, so she was my first um, manufacturer. I started buying some other products. And I think she introduced me to another factory because each factory usually specializes in something. Um, and she introduced me to another factory and then we ended up going half and half on a factory with the person she introduced me to. Which is crazy. So when you have your own factory, 
what are the complexities of this? Because I don't even think people understand like the capabilities of what it is and like what you're really undertaking yourself because now you're in charge essentially of the entire process. Yes. So we went half and half on that one factory and that worked for a while. We then I, well, then I opened some factories by myself because the production capability of that uh, shared factory wasn't really enough. So there's the first thing is the production capabilities. You have control of the production capability. So you can um, invest in, in hiring more people, more talent, you know, make the warehouse bigger, get a bigger space. You also have control over the quality. So that's one of the main reasons that we ended up doing our own factory completely by ourselves is because we had full control of the quality. A lot of factories aren't always willing, you know, you'll say that this doesn't pass quality control and they'll say that it does. So oftentimes there is, you know, like a kind of negotiation. Sometimes it just makes that working relationship really difficult. They might, they might feel like your quality standards are too high and then you have a lot of wastage. Then what do they do with that wastage? Then they go and sell that wastage. And it's like, you know, we shouldn't have this wastage in the first place. So having your own factory means that you can control the quality so that our output, you know, we don't really have, we don't make pieces that, that go to waste really because we're controlling that. Yeah. And then I think there's so many benefits that you have now too, that other people just don't even have access to. So what are the benefits to that your own business? Is it either like there's no minimum order quantities because you're in control of the quantities? Are there shorter lead times or like, what are the, how is it helpful for you? There are, I guess, technically there are no minimum order quantities, but at the same time, because it's your factory, you don't want to waste your time doing something really small. So now I'm at a stage that if I don't, if I can't commit to what we would call our, you know, bench level quantities, then we shouldn't be doing it. So there, there is that. But of course, yeah, you can do pretty much what you want. And there, that's another point as well, that you can move your production around. So say if you find that one dress is really selling well, you can move forwards that um, restock, for example. And you can also produce enough so that it sells out, which is what we do. We produce enough so that we sell out of it and then we don't have a ton of wastage after a lot of brands because they have to commit with other factories. They have to commit to a minimum, which is fine, but also then they have to guess whether they'll want to restock it or not uh, or if it will sell well. And sometimes, you know, people get that um, estimation wrong and then you're stuck with a lot of stock that you don't necessarily want that you have to discount or whatever else. Um, so the good thing is, is that we have control over that, that we can do them in smaller batches so that we don't really have that wastage. Whereas most factories, you have to like tell them however many months in advance and that's what you get. And then if you want to restock, it's going to be however many more months again. Um, so we have that as well. And then, yeah, just anything we want to make, we can, we can make it. We don't, we're not in a queue behind other people, which with other people's factories, of course, they work on other people's products. Sometimes if you're not big enough, then your product isn't the priority for them, you know, because their bigger orders are more of a priority for them. Um, the quality thing, like I said, and yeah, of course, for us, we were getting copied quite a lot. So we would find that our manufacturers before would often sell our patterns to other factories or other places and just give them it to copy. So that's crazy. Our own. Yeah. To keep everything top secret. <laughs> and then between you have a team in London, LA, Asia, how do you split your team? Like who is in what places? 
So for the most part, our London team is our design team. So that's where our pattern cutters are, all of that kind of thing. Like I said earlier, our products take about 12 weeks to develop, which sounds like a long time, but there is a lot of construction in them. And that team oversees all of that. Uh, it's the designers, the like I said, the whole technical team for making a sample. Our LA team is more like marketing based. And of course, like our photo shoots and stuff are all out here. So that's kind of what that team does. That's more forward facing. Um, and then production is is production. Oh. Amazing. And so what do your working hours look like? I don't really have working hours. I'm, I am not. I used to be more disciplined than I am now. Um, but I don't really have working hours. I just do what I need to do when it needs to be done. And I also am lucky that I'm now in a position where, you know, it's, it's a machine. It kind of runs by itself. If I want to take a few days off or if I want to take a few hours out, like everything's not going to fall down. So I try and have a balance of, like I try and work out for an hour every day just to, you know, have a moment for yourself. But other than that, I'm just on my phone. <laughs> 24 seven. Cause I feel like no matter what time it is, there is a time zone in your business that is working and somebody needs something from you. I'm yeah. here at all hours of the day. Um, so one of the things that you did a few years ago now is you've moved to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of questions too, were like, do you think your brand would have became what it did? Had you not moved to LA or do you think that's what's helped house of C become what it is today? So for me, pre pandemic, I was splitting my time evenly between, um, London and here. So England is obviously massively smaller than the US. So just in people alone and like potential sales, it's much, much smaller. So I had been in England for a long time and then I felt like, you know, it's time to bring the brand to the US and reach the US customers because there's so many, so much more of them than what we have in England. So yeah, I definitely think that coming here and bringing the brand here is a huge part of its success. I mean, right now I think the US accounts for maybe 55 to 60% of our sales. It's like, it's still strong in England, but it's doing really well here as well. So yeah, I definitely think that going international really helps. Taking a break to talk about clothes and fashion and shopping because shopping for clothes can be so stressful. So that's why Stitch Fix makes it really easy for you by doing the work so you can spend more time doing the things that you love instead. Because shopping online for clothes can be so daunting. You never know what will fit. Returns are really difficult. And you don't really know what store to even start with. So let Stitch Fix do all of the hard work. Stitch Fix offers clothing hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique size, style, and budget. It's a completely different and fun way to find clothes that you'll love to wear. Every piece is chosen for your fit and your life. And it's an easy solution to finding what makes you look and feel your best. You can try on pieces at home before you buy and keep your favorites and send back the rest. Stitch Fix has free shipping, easy returns and exchanges, and a prepaid return envelope is included. The best part is there is no subscription required. All you have to do is try Stitch Fix once or set up automatic deliveries and you'll pay just a $20 styling fee for each box and that gets credited towards the pieces you keep and there are no hidden fees ever. And if you're shopping for other people as well, Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion for women, men, and kids. And they ship all over the U.S. and available in the U.K. as well. Get started today at stitchfix.com slash Mariana and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash Mariana, M-A-R-I-A-N-N-A for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Stitchfix.com slash Mariana. Now let's get back to the episode. 
can you pinpoint like a moment where you felt like, okay, the brand is really starting to gain traction and get momentum or was it like a slow build over time? Um, no, I can definitely pinpoint a moment. I think it was in 2016 and I had made the decision just prior to that. I think it was 16. And I had made the decision just prior to that. I was like, okay, we're doing really good in the UK. I feel like we need to really open up to more marketplaces now. And the US was the obvious choice. You know, so many people, the same language. We were already starting to get some. No, we weren't actually. We were getting UK celebrities wear our stuff. And I was like, if I can get some US celebrities to wear our stuff, then we can start building it in the US. And so I just made that decision and and just went and did that. (laughs) Found a PR company. And then I also would just go and DM a bunch of people, go and take stuff to their house and meet them and just do actual physical deliveries to different people to get them to wear my brand. Which is amazing because I feel like now anyone and everyone, it's like every day I see House of CB like reposting some celebrity wearing it. (laughs) And then what I also love too is the bridal that you guys have done, which I feel like for a long time people were asking you to do bridal, but I love seeing the girls get married and it's such a special day. I even was on the beach one day and I think I I texted you a picture. I saw a girl get engaged in a House of CB dress. It's so cute. Like I love to see that. I love the bridal. The bridal was like, a little passion project for me because I just, I went um, dress shopping with one of my friends and I was like, these dresses are so expensive and they're not even like that good. They're really not very good. And I just felt like, yeah, we can, we can fill this space. Like we make beautiful dresses. Our construction is phenomenal. And it just made sense. You know, like you said, we're always the go-to for special moments in your life, birthday, christening, whatever it might be. And we, we found that we had a lot of people wearing our dresses for like their engagement parties or their rehearsal dinners. So it just seemed like a natural next step. And then we were meant to be bringing out the second bridal collection around now, actually next month. But that is a COVID casualty right now. <laughs> Which I want to get to that later because I feel like that's, you know, for your brand specifically, there's a lot that goes into that. But what I want to ask first is, you've been doing this now for 11 years. And obviously I think at 2016, when you decided to go into the US, that really picked up the momentum for the brand. But how do you then maintain that momentum? Because it's one thing to like get your brand to a size. It's another thing to maintain it and get it bigger and bigger each year. I think the main thing that has always been on my mind is I'm not stuck in us being a a particular product. So, you know, when we first came out, we were very well known for our bandage dresses. And now if you look, we don't do that many bandage dresses. We do probably, I don't know, 10% of our catalog now is probably bandage. And I think it's just the most important thing is not being afraid to um, evolve and change. And the brand has evolved as I have evolved and as I've grown up. We just, we always, we just always keep evolving. And like we've changed our logo several times and just always keep on moving forward and being like, okay, this is where the next step is for the brand. And I think that what we've kept consistent, which is what is important as well, is we've always had feminine, beautiful clothing. And then it's just changed how that is creatively shown, I guess, over time. And it's just evolved into different product lines and, and different fabrics and different materials and releasing, you know, like you said, like sweats, but it's still a house of CB sweat. So I think the main thing is just evolving. That is key because you can get hot off of like a couple good products, but then you need to follow it up again with more hot products. For sure. And I think for your brand specifically, you were a direct-to-consumer brand before being direct-to-consumer was cool. 
And you were doing this for so long. And then obviously you went to retail with Topshop and then now you have your own retail stores. But for a new brand trying to get sales online, what advice would you have for them like building up their e-commerce? Um, I think it just, it kind of depends on the product. So for like smaller, lower value items, it's really good to get on different websites. And usually it's really good to get on different websites anyway. But for direct consumer, of course, social media is going to be your key player. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would say that you always have to have a, like, clear um, brand voice and a cohesive brand voice when you look across your website, your socials, everything else, that it's all very clear that this is the brand and this is how the brand um, aesthetically is and verbally as well. Um, And I think that's super important in actually building a brand that has like longevity, because I think a lot of people are just like, this is what I have to sell, but aren't necessarily looking at it as a brand, if that kind of makes sense. They're just like, these are some products, but you also need to tell your brand story and have your brand voice be consistent and at the forefront of of all your socials and your website. And yeah, I, I think the key thing is to have a good product. And then as long as you have a good product, then you just have to work on how you present that. Because realistically, things like Instagram and and social media is just you being a salesperson to somebody in front of you on their screen. And so your, your social media should be your best salesperson. And when you post, you're posting with that in mind. And I think that's how. And also just making sure basic things like your website is easy to use. You, you know, have normal payment methods you have all the security things you need on your website and then just putting, you know, the basics like tap to shop and stuff like that, just to make it super easy for everyone. And I feel like something that you guys have done so well is the photography. And I know that you really invest in it being like a lookbook and it's like every time, which I feel like is difficult when you have new products come out every single week. (laughs) It's so people don't even realize, like, first of all, to have new product come out that frequently is so hard to design that many pieces, to put them together as a collection. And then model shoots are very expensive and you're getting beautiful locations, models, hair and makeup, styling, a set stylist. Like there's so much that goes into each thing. And so when you see this beautiful image on House of CB's Instagram, there is so much that went into this one photo. Uh Why was it so important for you? Because I think a lot of people, I see it on brand sites and like they're, they're not investing in their photography, but I'm like, if I can only see your brand and product online, the picture needs to like really sell it for me. So why is it worth that investment to you? For me, yeah, kind of just like how you said it, it's, it's how, you know, you're selling the product to, this is your one chance to sell the product to um, your customer and they can't feel it. They can't see it in real life. And this is the only moment you have realistically to get them to buy it. And just, I'm very visual and I, I like to, you know, like I like nice packaging. I like nice imagery. And for me, I just feel like that is how you sell the product the best. It's just you make the product look as good as it can look. And you show that to your potential customers. Because like you said, you know, if the images are like, ah, I don't know about this, then you're not going to buy it. Yeah. So for us, it's just, it's also now become a part of the brand that people know us to have like really beautiful imagery and campaign imagery. Well, I at least think it's beautiful. But yeah, it just the customer seems to respond best to good imagery. And like we've tried a few different things. We'll try different styles of lookbook. We'll try different styles of imagery. And we'll just find what um, works for us. And 
I recommend that anybody with a brand does that because just like your basic picture may not be what's going to sell for you. You know, like shoe brands usually have them with the shoes on people's feet instead of just like a plain, plain photo. And that tends to, to work better. So I think it's just all about showing the product in the best light and that will make the customers want to buy it more. So we're going to take a break brought to you by one of today's podcast sponsors, Athletic Greens. They're the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I have ever tried. There are so many stressors in life. It's really difficult to maintain effective nutritional habits and really give our bodies the nutrients it needs to thrive. We've got busy schedules, poor sleep, exercise, the environment, stress, or just really not eating enough of the right foods, and it can leave us deficient in key nutrients. This is where Athletic Greens can help. It is a life-changing nutritional habit. Their daily all-in-one superfood powder is your nutrition essential. It is by far the easiest and most delicious nutritional habit that you can add into your daily routine today and empower towards better habits. They simplify the logistics of getting optimal nutrition on a daily basis by giving you one thing with all the best things. One of the reasons why I really love it is there are travel packs, which are perfect when you're on the go. You can just throw them in your bag if you're on a hike or traveling or visiting friends and family, so you can just always have it with you. One tasty scoop of Athletic Greens contains 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, including a multivitamin, multimineral, probiotic, green superfood blend, and more. And all of that work together to fit the nutritional gaps in your diet, increase energy and focus, aid with digestion, and supports a healthy immune system, all without the need to take multiple products or pills. I love that it really just takes the guesswork out of my supplement routine, and it's just really easy for me to make this a daily habit. And right now, Athletic Greens has got you for year-round immune support by offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase if you visit my link today. Visit athleticgreens.com slash life and join health experts, athletes, and health-conscious go-getters around the world who make daily commitment to their health every day. Again, visit athleticgreens.com slash life and get your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs today. What is your design process like? And then I know you said it takes 12 weeks to develop, but like that's 12 weeks to develop the piece, but not the actual like 12 weeks from like the time you work on it to like it's on your site. Yeah. So it's 12 weeks from the first initial sketch to when the sample is approved. So not when it's produced. The production time is extra and then shipping it and getting it everywhere, that's all extra. So it takes about 12 weeks from when we do the first sketch to when we have the final sample. And it usually takes about three or four samples to get it right. And then we, I'm just very, I like my products to be really nice. You know, I, the quality is great. We want them to last for years. Um, and I, like the way our pieces fit is because of how long it's taken in sampling and fits to to make sure it has that cinch and that pull and that everyone loves. It definitely does. And I love it. Like I just got one of my dresses like this week that I tried it on and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this. It's like cinching my waist in all the right places. I don't know the name of the dress, but it's the one that's like the ruching all over. It's like the mini dress. It's like straight across at the top. And I feel like it's great now because it's like you have your solid colors and then you've been coming out with like the prints of it that are like, you know, more seasonal. But I feel like people love that dress. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of our best dresses. Like people love it and we have it in a longer one. But yeah, and obviously after we've spent so long developing a shape, we like to try and recolor it and have it in different prints and stuff because they're just such good, solid dresses that always fit and everyone always loves them. So if they're asking for it, we will deliver. (laughs) And then you have new collections that come out every Monday and I feel like that's really difficult. So how do you design so frequently? 
So the collection is technically every month. So there'll be an overall theme every like month to six weeks. So I think this one right now is six weeks. And there'll be like an overall theme for that collection. Like I said, every month, six weeks. Um, And then within that, we release those. We release the collection in smaller sections of about uh, six to 10 pieces, depending every week. So it's like a whole collection. A whole collection is around 60 pieces, give or take. And then we break that collection down into weekly releases. And so it's not too difficult because you're when we design it, we're designing for the whole collection rather than like it being different each week, if that makes sense. So you'll see the color palette is similar for six weeks. The, the print, you'll see the print throughout the six weeks. Um, but it's still definitely quite difficult to come up with new ideas so frequently so yeah it is it is stressful (laughs) (laughs) very stressful I feel like that's a lot because for other fashion brands what you're saying is like a like this four to six weeks collection that's them Mm -hmm. for an entire season so you're doing every four to six weeks what people do for an entire quarter and so that's a pretty heavy workload Yes. So it's kind of, it's, it's difficult because if you look at like fast fashion brands, then they're releasing thousands of items all the time, like weekly thousands of items. And then when you look at like top luxury, they do about six, six ish um, seasons a year before obvious seasons, then like resort and any others they want to kind of sprinkle in there. So we, we sit somewhere in between. I guess we release about 500 products a year. Oh my God. That's insane. (laughs) They're broken down into um, monthly collections. Pre-COVID, we were doing them all back to back. But now I just feel like we need a little bit of extra time to really develop a super solid collection. And so if we have to take a couple of weeks of no new releases, then that is what we'll do to make sure that the collection we have is fantastic. And then now you talked about the pandemic. I want to ask because I feel I think like the brand was really for those special occasion moments, but in the last year we weren't we weren't really able to have those. So how did you either shift your designs or your products or your strategy over the last year? And you know, thankfully now I think people are getting back out to doing things, and that's why I've got all my dresses ready to go yep. for whenever I'm going to do something. But how did you really navigate the last year? Again, luckily where we own our own factories. Uh, we have a lot of control over what we're doing, what we're producing. Um, we design about eight months in advance um, and our production is a couple months in advance. So we were quite lucky in that when the pandemic hit, obviously before everything was closed, it was clear things were going to start closing. So we decided to just close everything for, I think we closed for two months, three months, maybe. I can't remember now off the top of my head. Um, and we didn't produce anything. We stopped those collections um, and luckily we, we could do that, you know, like we had that control. So then I think we had already, we had already designed to do a um, collection of just like, you know, floaty addresses, more daytime stuff. And it had, I guess it had just been quite lucky that that was the vibe that I was on. (laughs) And I was like, okay, perfect. We will just stay on this. This will be our first collection when we decide to come back. We'll focus on this. We'll focus on getting this, um, this like perfect. And that's what we did. And we just spent that time making that great. And we just focused more on more casual. With still dresses, still very feminine. And that actually ended up being one of our, actually, I think it was our best ever selling collection. 
Oh my gosh. Amazing. That, that one dress, I feel like I saw it on ship bloggers post, which I love that account. And it was like yes. this whole carousel of all of these girls wearing this dress. And it was so the vibe, like, like picnic spring, like really yeah. feminine. And it was like, this dress was everywhere. Do you have a pretty good sense of like, okay, I know this piece is going to be a bestseller out of this collection. Yes. And it, I think it's just like an instinctive thing. And a lot of the decisions I made, uh, make in general, sorry, are instinctive. And when the pandemic happened and I was like, okay, we, cause that collection was originally, I think it was just like a handful of pieces. It wasn't meant to be a whole collection. And then I was like, okay, we're shutting everything down. So obviously people aren't going to be going out. They're not going to be going to restaurants and clubs and whatever else. Um, so then I just really focused on making all that to be day wear. And that's pretty much what we did. And it really worked when that, I think that released in June or July, one of those. Um, when we, when we, you know, came back to work and I figured that everyone would be going to like outside stuff. I think at the time we were out outdoor dining and things like that. Um, so it all worked very well. And then we, we strangely still did well throughout. I think people were still, um, buying even like the more dressy pieces because they still wanted to feel like something special, you know? Um, because of course it was still people's birthdays and stuff. So girls were like taking pictures in their house, CV dress at home. And, and just, I think they just wanted to feel something to feel happy about. So we still kind of did well with that. Um, and then of course we introduced our sweats and they do really, really well for us. They're really cozy, fleecy sweats. So they are pretty good. Um, but yeah, they did super great for us. Um, and it's a line that we'll be keeping as you know just like a basics for us and also now we're going to do those a similar collection of those um day dresses so it was it was good because I had to think of like different types of products that still suited the brand that still stayed true to the brand that people would want and it's turned out that they've actually really loved them so now we have like two or three extra product lines and styles that we um didn't have before that we'll be keeping Amazing. Um, so if you were to start House of CB today, what would you have done differently if you were launching your brand in 2021? Um, I think it took me a long time to know what my brand was, which sounds a little silly, but like now, like, you know, now I know that we're, we're a feminine brand and everything and, and we're very women first. We, do a lot of different things with different charities and stuff, which are all, you know, women's charities. And for so long, it took me a long time to, to understand like, what was my brand about? And I think that's what took me years really. And as I grew up and stuff and learned what, what I was about, and then I could reflect that through the brand, that that's really what took me some time. And I think that, and it's just being able to go back and being like, this is what this brand is about. We're about, having super high quality items that aren't super expensive. We're about having pieces that make you feel really good. So they have to fit really good. They have to last a long time. They're like special pieces. And then our other kind of point is we're a women's brand. We care about women's issues. We like everything we do goes back to that. So if it doesn't kind of fit in the, the scope of those, then we shouldn't do it. So I think the most important thing at the start is to know have a clear idea what your brand is. And that's not to say it can't change or evolve, 
but to start with that so then everything's consistent and then you don't make mistakes kind of being like oh maybe we should try this maybe we should try that because they don't suit what you're doing, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about mistakes. So are there any lessons learned that you sh- want to share with other entrepreneurs so they don't make any same mistakes? I mean, I always like, mista- I don't hate mistakes. I feel like mistakes are good. You have to make mistakes. If you're making mistakes, then you know you're trying things. And like mistakes are going to happen. It just, it's inevitable. Unless you don't try anything, then mistakes are going to happen. But I don't know if I really consider things as mistakes. I just think that I could have got to different places a lot quicker if I had like if I had maybe considered things more instead of just running head in first into things (laughs) (laughs) I'm like yeah we should do it sounds good okay cool (laughs) no but I think being decisive it's like following your gut and like your intuition and if you believe something is right like you have to try things out and like you said like it's you learn from them Mm -hmm. and sometimes things doesn't work out and that was a lesson you learned to like not do that thing again yeah exactly and sometimes like some things I've learned a long time ago, we tried to do some beauty stuff and the brand wasn't ready for it. The brand just wasn't ready for beauty. Like we hadn't built the brand up enough to be able to pivot from clothing to beauty. And even though they sit very close side by side, it just, we weren't ready for that. And I also wasn't ready for that because beauty, as you know, is a very, it's a minefield. <laughs> yes. It's interesting. And like everything takes so long and oh, it's, yeah. It's a very patient game, beauty. And I am not that patient. <laughs> it, they're so different. It's so funny too, because it's like whatever industry you are in, you're like, oh, I w- this other thing. Is, you always like think things about these other industries, but it's like everyone goes through like the hard times. Every, like I think what you do is so difficult because I couldn't imagine like going through and designing so many pieces in this full collection and how frequently you have to photograph things. Like for us, we only have a handful of launches a year and even doing a handful of shoots a year seems like a really big undertaking. So I couldn't imagine having to like, you know, rally up a photo shoot so frequently like just like that alone is so difficult to do but then I also get like a little jealous because I'm like they've got like really nice well planned out well thought out content and sometimes we're like okay we need to do this shoot and it and sometimes it goes into being a bit like a machine you know these are the things we always do so these are the things we'll do and then later I'm like oh you know what we should have done we should have done x y and z and Sometimes the, just that little bit of extra breathing space is needed just to really bring everything next level. Because everything that you release is like so perfectly done. But the perfectionist in me is like, yep, we, we should have been more perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then me, I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys shot at this place. I love the way that they did the set designer. Because you not only go to a location, but once you're at the location, which I know these beautiful locations, like I've come to so many of your shoots. I love the spaces. But then you have a set designer come and then they're making what already is a good space even more unique. Because in LA, there's only really a few places and everybody shoots at the same spots. Yeah. It's like the one house in Venice, everybody shoots there. But you go and then you build in like another unique element to it, which makes it so different. And so I love that you go the extra mile, which me as someone who does this, like I, I see the care that you put into it. And I think a lot of that, thank you. And I think a lot of that is the kind of, we've both been on social media for so long that we've seen it change so much. Like Instagram, for example, the type of content you would have posted 10 years ago, five years ago is different to the content you post now. And for us, our social media is a huge part of our marketing. And having good content, you see the clear difference. You see the very clear difference in good imagery, good videos, good content to not very good imagery, videos and content in the sales. 
And I think a lot of the things like sets and stuff, um, again, like you said, everybody does use the same locations now and, and back in the day, you know, they weren't used as much, so it was fine. But now it's like next level, like how can we make this content better? How can we make it more interesting? And the answer to a lot of that is props and having cute props in videos and cute props in imagery. So that's kind of where we're going down right now and just making our content as good as possible and looking at shoots as before I used to look at shoots as just lookbook, cool. And now it's more content, content kind of first, I guess. And then the lookbook secondary. So the website imagery is kind of secondary to the social imagery. Mm -hmm. Well, I feel like you guys do an amazing job with it, like from the models, the location, all of it is just so good. And what I also like seeing on social from you, from your personal social is not only do you have multiple brands, retail stores, an international business, but you're still having fun and having a life. So like, how do you prioritize that work-life balance? That is my, so my personal socials are terrible. <laughs> no, I love them. I, I, I love like, them. Well, I feel like I could do so much more, but I just, I just, I don't know. I I'm just like, I could commit and do this properly. And then, and then I, I'm just like, Nobody wants to see that. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> no, we do. I love it. Like, I love even like the mirror selfies that you take, like at the back of your house, like this like hallway that's like so beautifully lit yeah. or like interiors <laughs> at your house are done so well. Or like when Ashley shoots you and it's like at your desk or like behind the scenes from a shoot. Like, I love seeing that about you. And then I also love to see how you style the pieces because it's different than how they're styled at a shoot. And I love seeing them like in your personal way. Yeah, and I, I get like a really good response from it. And I would love to commit properly. I have a have an agent um, who frequently is just like, Connor, we need to do your social strategy for your personal page. And I know exactly what I need to do and what I should do. And I just like, I don't know. I'm just like, no, I'm just going to post an outfit pic when I've had a few drinks. Okay, bye. <laughs> That'll be that. <laughs> But um, I think I'm just not yet willing to give up, like, even though it's my personal page, it's not private, obviously, but it's just, it's still just me. And I don't know if I'm ready to make it more businessy. Even it's okay. You don't have to. It's like another <laughs> job. It's like, like running your personal it social is another job. No, because you have both and you have to do both. And I know that work. you put it and that puts me off. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but I feel like you still have fun and you still like enjoy your life. And I love seeing that you can do both. Like you can be a boss, you can have a brand, you can do all these things, but you're still like enjoying your life. And I love that. I see that from you. I like that. I'm glad, I'm glad that it gives that energy. I think it is super important. You know, like there's this whole culture of um, sleep when you die type meme quotes. Um, and it's just not, it's, not realistic it's not it's not healthy and you just always need to be able to take a little time for yourself and at the start when you're starting a business you have to be realistic that no I'm not going to get much time to myself right now but also you can't work yourself into the ground because there's no point you won't be as productive or as creative or as smart or whatever it is that you need to be if you're running yourself into the ground so just always just like I said earlier I like to try and work out for I like to try and like work out five days a week for like an hour a day and that's like something I do for myself okay so my last two questions one is where does house of cb post job listings so they usually post them in in the uk there's like a job website where they list them all but actually on the website is usually where they are 
in the career section. Great. And then my last question is, what do you want to do next? What do I want to do next? That is a good question. I'm not sure. I'm very into like home stuff right now. I've always said I wanted to do like House of CB Home, um, but I'm not sure if I want to do, I, I would love to do House of CB Home and I would love to do House of CB Beauty, but I would also love to just build like really beautiful houses as well. Same. That's something <laughs> else. Yeah. There's nothing to do with House of CB. I would like to just build beautiful houses, sell them, keep them, whatever. Um, and then, yeah, and then for House of CB, I would love to do House of CB Beauty and House of CB Home. But finding the time. <laughs> I know it's crazy. <laughs> well, what you've been able to do in the last 11 years is amazing. The brand just continues to get better and better and bigger. So everyone can check out House of CB at houseofcb.com. Yes, housecb.com and mistressrocks.com. And yeah, my Instagram is Connor Walker if you want it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast and rate and review because it would mean so much to me and follow me on Instagram at Mariana underscore Hewitt to see what episodes are coming up next.